This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. 604 welcome in on a Thursday edition let me can I can I can I say something right off the top right off the top I want to meet the person in charge of naming police mobile police operations I want to know how that works out if you heard the top of the hour there our local news with Kelly Kelly Finley talked about a catalytic converter operation where they were cracking down. Did you guys hear the name of that operation? Nick did, Nick, did you hear it? It was for the catalytic converter operation. They're cracking down on all these guys that are trying to steal it. Operation Cat Snatch. I want to know who named it. I want to be in the room when they decide what are we naming these operations. I just don't think it's a great idea to use that second word in any operation whatsoever. Scratch. Snatch. Snatch. Yeah. Cats. Operation Cat Snatch. We got in cat from catalytic converter. What's wrong uh, with the second word? Nothing. I'll explain later. We got some Zion news, too, by the way. All right. Continue. Well, at least you proved one thing. You actually do listen once in a while. I do. I do. What? Not to me, but to right. uh, the right. news. Yeah. So yesterday, I, I hadn't talked to my brother in quite some time, so I called him, and the conversation got into the air quality in New Jersey, and he was giving me details about how bad it was, and I really wasn't aware of just what was going on until afterwards, where basically the wildfires in Canada, Nova Scotia, uh, Quebec, have basically cut down or short-circuited sports activities or any activities in the Northeast, New York, Philadelphia. They had Major League Baseball games that were uh, postponed yesterday. There was a, a WNBA inside the arena game that was postponed because of the air quality is so bad. So it's just uh, like the, the, the weather conditions being what they are, but because, and, and just, I guess it's hard for me to fathom, Mark, how fires in Canada could permeate that far, an orange glow in the sky over Yankee Stadium and cause you sports, which I know you're involved with so much down here. Can you imagine? And, and just having virtually the whole time every shutting down all activities. It's very post-apocalyptic looking yeah. up in New York. But not only are people in, in, encouraged to stay indoors, they're, they're like, if you have air purifiers, use them like it's it's nuts it's it's really kind of scary and eerie they're there. wearing masks and so forth and that's what they're and like listening to the uh, overnight show uh amy who is the host said that you know she she went out to walk her dog and could only last about three minutes out there because it's so bad up there and that's basically the uh what i got from my uh brother telling me how bad it was anyway uh miami there's no shortage of stories there you got miami they lost yesterday in denver in game three of the nba finals you have that uh, florida panthers team in the stanley cup finals they host game three tonight you've got the miami marlins are the hottest baseball team going these days and they have a player on their team who's flirting with 400 and then they sign arguably one of the greatest soccer free agents ever in Lionel Messi coming to Miami 
in lieu of the fact that Saudi Arabia is going out of its way to try to lure big-time soccer players to come to Saudi Arabia and play for, like, four teams uh, like they've purchased with uh, the, the kind of money that you hear about with the, uh, the Live uh, PGA. So we just happened to book uh, Orlando Alzagari, and I started to wonder, is this announcement, I know in the United States probably not as big as when LeBron went on TV and had the one-hour show to announce he's coming to Miami, but around the world, I mean, I don't know what they're going to pay this guy, but they, the contracts they pay soccer players overseas is just incredible. And, Mark, I was reading one story where if, in fact, Messi makes his debut July 21st, cheapest ticket, normally $30, is now priced over $500 just to see this 35-year-old soccer player. Yeah, so what he's been able to do is uh, essentially uh, transform uh, – or increase the value of the franchise like overnight. And they've used all these very creative ways for compensation packages for him. There's talk that he's going to get some sort of um, Apple, Apple's kicking in and they, he gets, it's like, it's all crazy. Uh, But it's, it's, it's really fascinating from a financial standpoint. Folks can certainly get um, very creative when they want to on how to pay players there were reports i was listening to the dan patrick show yesterday and they were talking about nine figures for soccer players uh, great soccer players i don't know if they were talking about messi or somebody else but some of the reasons that are being given for messi maybe giving up that uh, the money over there in europe to come here number one uh setting the stage for world cup soccer in 2026 as you just mentioned mark the financial aspects of it so those were two reasons and because supposedly his family would rather live in miami than in saudi arabia usa usa where he was being offered tons of money to go play soccer there by the way did you see rory mcelroy finally uh talked about the uh, live pga and uh, obviously, he actually was went both ways on this. He said uh, it's going to be better for golf. He hates live. He, he, he really emphasized that. He hopes it goes away and thinks it will. And down the road, he thinks it will be good for golf overall. But uh, as of now, he has no lost love for a live tournament. Yeah. No, it's perfect. If you're, if you're a PR for any golf whatsoever, this is exactly what you want. So you want these guys having a little friction now. It's going to cause a little drama during the tournaments when these guys finally merge or whatever it is they're going to do. And it's it's going to wind up being must-see TV. And everybody's going to stick a mic in, in Rory's face and look for some sort of comment, especially if he's involved with live golfers walking down the 18th in the final round. It's a, you know it's going to be great when he wins. It's going to be great when he loses to a live golfer. The, golf is set up now. For the foreseeable future, it's perfect. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the uh, those associated with golf weren't talking yesterday. I I know on some shows I heard attempts were made to get somebody. I I made attempts too, Mark, and uh, it's hard to get somebody now to talk about this because most people don't know where this is going. They don't they don't have the details. You know, you offer opinions, and and obviously there was a negative feedback as we talked about yesterday. Many of the PGA golfers were really. According to one report, they had a meeting with about 100 PGA golfers. I don't know how they all got them together, if it was on a Zoom or whatever it was. But many of them were just 
really disgusted with this. And one of the reasons is they feel that if some of these live golfers reapply and come back into the uh, PGA fold, that it might hurt their chances with their card to continue playing PGA. They're worried that these guys coming back may knock them out of the loop as far as competing in PGA events. So there's all kind of questions and very few answers right now. We don't know if there's going to be a live tour after 2024. Rory says no. He doesn't think so. But it's not set in stone yet. What would you guys call a new... It, let's just say the PGA and the live had to merge in the traditional sense. But you couldn't use either term to name the league. Well, if you couldn't call it the PGA Tour and you call it, couldn't call it the Live, what would we call it? Well, you know, most of the tournaments are actually go by the name of the sponsor. Very right, but, rarely. But when you say, oh, and on the PGA Tour this week, yeah. what would you call it? Well, you wouldn't certainly, but any references, you're right. They don't want any reference to the Live. Uh, best of the best. Best golfers? I don't know. I haven't given any thoughts on that. I don't know. That. Uh, maybe I, we need to get the uh, guy that names the you know police operations in on this. Operation Cat Snatch. Uh, yesterday's uh, NBA game goes <laughs> to Denver. Sorry about that, Mark. But we'll get to uh, the, the the big headline, Game 3. Uh, history was made in this game. No, Jokic and Murray became the first duo of teammates ever to get a triple-double in the same game in, in the finals. They each had a triple-double. Actually, Murray had a few more points than Jokic, but they both had outstanding games. But it was an outstanding game by a freshman, well, a freshman, a rookie, Christian Braun, Came off the bench and scored 15 points in 19 minutes. I believe he played at Kansas. He was the catalyst. He was, he, he just came out of nowhere and had this incredible game yesterday. And now Denver leading two games to one. So he was seven of eight, and the one he missed hit the side of the backboard. You know what he did? He got the rebound. Got the rebound. <laughs> yep, that, that's the way to go. But yeah, this was uh, you talk about totally unknown. This guy totally unknown. I had I wasn't aware of him. He hadn't really played much, but uh, he got in there yesterday, and it, it made a difference. And I'm not saying that's the reason that Denver won. They out-rebounded Miami something like 58-33. to 33. It was a close game through the first half. It was seesaw back and forth, but then Jokic took over in the third quarter, as he normally does. Murray had his usual outstanding game, and game four will be tomorrow night. And it was that... Uh but there was that moment in the fourth quarter where they got it down to like eight or nine, right? With like a minute and 20 left. You're like, okay, hold on. You thought they were going to call an intentional on that offensive. And you're like, yeah. all right, hold on. Like everybody, they were talking about how all the fans had left. And I was getting ready to turn it off. I'm like, now I'm going to have to sit here and finish watching it. But uh, it, it wound up being false hope there for Miami. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're in a the heat in a world of hurt right now. Yeah. The Nuggets are just miles and miles more talented and better of a basketball team than the Heat are. And, you know, Lee, actually, that was the first time in NBA history, playoffs, regular season, everything, that two teammates had a triple-double and scored 30 points. How about that? There's your Stat of the day. Play. Stat of the day. How about that? Mm. Stat of the day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a future. I don't know. I don't know. It's looking less likely. All right. Uh, so coming up today, Mark Etheridge on uh, Super Regionals. We'll talk a little uh, college baseball at 630. Uh, we got some Chick-fil-A in hour number one. How about that? Uh, Dan Jennings. Uh, on. We're talking 
wildfires and PGA and live. Yeah, he's, we're going to. He's a big golf fan. Uh, you, you know, really? he, as you said last time we had him on, he's a renaissance guy. We don't just stick around on baseball with him. And I'd like to hear him being in an administration when he was with baseball, how he feels about the merger. Hmm. Uh, Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Says you know what he wants to talk about? Dex. He sent me. Oh. No, yeah, well, that too. <laughs> You're right on. Yeah, good going, Mark. Uh, he actually sent me a text, which he's never done before. He has never, because I always ask him anything in particular. He wants to talk about the wildfires. Okay. Uh, and or, you mentioned Orlando Orlando Azaghari. Uh He will join us at eight thirty. Uh, so plenty to plenty to get to over the course of the next three hours. We can get you started with the scoreboard, traffic, and weather. Zion, Zion was trending, and you see it, and you're like, "Oh no, the guy's hurt again." Well, not exactly. In a way. In a way, um, we will put this as delicately as we can, which is to say, it won't be very delicate, but. Zion's don't, don't juggling Google some the things. story on your work computer. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't. Yeah, and he's juggling some things, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Now we know why he potentially one of the reasons why he wasn't playing this year. He didn't have his legs up under him. <laughs> yeah, is that fair? He wouldn't. What, what Zion didn't feel like Zion. Remember, he wasn't mentally there. Yeah, Zion's fielding his own team is what's going on here. Zion's uh, Zion's trying out some folks. You know how like LeBron attracts talent to like <laughs> L.A. or Miami or wherever he is. Zion, he's doing a similar thing. <laughs> yeah, Zion's uh, he's trying out some folks. Uh, he's bringing in some future prospects, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll explain it all coming up next. It's the opening kickoff. We're just getting started right here on the Sports Station WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Tim McMahon, ESPN. I know you're uh, not a guy who cares a lot about your stats, but when you have a line that's never been accomplished before in, in finals history, what do you think of that? Um, to be honest, I just think of it's a win, you know. Because if you lose, nobody's gonna even mention. Even I mean, to be honest, I don't care. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a stat. I tend to agree with that last part of that. It's just a stat, but I disagree. If he had that stat line in a loss, it might be, it might be even a bigger story, right? The fact that they lost and he had a game like that. Yeah, he was talking about his 30-20-10 being the first time in NBA Finals history that anybody recorded over 30 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. And we also pointed out how Jamal Murray also had a uh, triple-double. So two outstanding performances. The Heat couldn't answer to that, even though, again, it was pretty close. And as you mentioned, Mark, it did come down to the fourth quarter uh, until Denver pulled away. But that fr that rookie coming off the bench, to me, was the big surprise, Christian Braun. 15 points, 19 minutes. Uh, speaking of two big performances, it sounds like uh, Zion had a couple of nice performances here last season, which we didn't even know about. Lee, have you seen this story? I did, but I look, I don't really get into the private. Uh, I just want to see him play basketball. I don't care what he does in his off time. Well, apparently uh, you're in the minority because he started trending yesterday. Uh, 
Zion is expecting. He's going to be a dad. It's a girl. There was a whole gender reveal on social media. Uh, everybody, for the most part, I think was kind of in the congratulatory mood, except for um, one person. One woman. One woman who not only wasn't excited, was uh, flat out pissed. And it turns out, someone did the net math, tweeted 24 times. She's an Instagram model. Is that fair? That's generous. Okay. She <laughs> is an adult entertainer. There you go. Who uh, has made it very clear that she has a relationship with Zion as well. And shared some of those screenshots with the world. Yeah. It made for some incredibly um, entertaining yeah, I saw Reading? Stephen A. Smith did a whole segment on it, and that was um very funny. But so the whole the whole thing was though, this wasn't just like a one off thing. No, because Zion, per these screenshots, in he he paid for her to move to New Orleans mm-hmm. to be his friend. Friend, I guess. Yeah. We all need friends. And I guess she got the impression that they were serious. More than friends. More than friends. And then when she saw the reveal of the baby, she popped off. At first, she was mad at Zion. Then she was mad at the other girl, calling her old when she's only three years older than her. (laughs) And now she's saying that she's... Uh, late, and that they're going to be sister wives, and that Zion's going to treat her as the real princess and love that baby more. Yeah, I don't want to put words in her mouth, uh, because I don't, you know. But didn't she say something like accuse the other girl of having to? She had she was chasing the bag, but had to get pregnant in order to do it, and yeah, she's the real deal. Like it got nasty, and she was saying that she was the reason that Zion got in shape. And that she was the one uh, saying that he's going to be like the next LeBron and helping him and helping him on the court and uplifting his spirits. Is he going to play 82 games, you mean? I mean, per her, she, he was going to be in the finals next year. Yeah. Seems like he's got load management all again, all Whoa, over again. Whoa, hey now. There's definitely some. <laughs> 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 Never mind. <laughs> no offense, but the guy has been irrelevant. Mm. Uh, on the court. On the court. Well, that's because he's been busy off the court, Lee. Apparently. Yeah. He's got that cardio going. <laughs> Treadmill's not good enough anymore. Mm. Well, you Step know. master. Fitness has become so advanced these days. I mean, that's what it was. He he paid for his trainer to move all the way to New Orleans. It's pretty bad when headlines surrounding Zion are more off the court than what he's done on the court. Because he's been kind of irrelevant. All right, at this point, who are you going with, Zion or Ja? For what? Just <laughs> based off all their off the court <laughs> stuff, who are you rocking with on your team? Ooh. I'll have to give that one some thought. We'll talk about that later. Mark Etheridge is next. Stay with us. All 
right, 632, welcome back in here on a uh, Thursday edition. A reminder, uh, download the Sound of Mobile app. Uh, not only will you get WNSP content, but uh, you can also check out the zoo over there. And, of course, uh, that'll give you the ability to talk to us through our, our app every uh, every morning here from 6 to 9. I'm Mark Etzley. We're in the studios of WNSP. Yeah, no, after we talked some uh, baseball with Mark Etheridge, and he is from Mobile, and he covers college baseball for D1 uh, Baseball following the Super Regionals. Going to get his take on Alabama and Wake Forest and the other schools that are competing, you know, for the SEC. But uh, in Saturday Down South, uh, Matt Hayes has published what he has put together that had they gone to a nine-game schedule and down the road, if they ever do, Mark, he has, uh, through sources, penciled in the uh, three teams that each team would have as permanent opponents. We can get to that a little later on. Mark, welcome to the show. Author of D1 Baseball, good morning. How are you today? I'm great, guys. Ready to talk some ball. Yes, sir. Uh, first of all, let's size up Alabama's chances, hopes against Wake Forest starting uh, Saturday. Well, certainly a tough effort. I mean, Wake Forest has had an incredible season. They've got the best pitching staff in the country, and it's not really that close. Uh, and they also doing a lot offensively. Uh, it's a it's a really a hitter's ballpark, which makes what they've done on the mound even you know their home ballparks really. Kind of cozy. It's kind of like Tennessee's ballpark, if you're familiar with that. Um, so, I think that the key for Alabama is going to be to keep the ball in the park offensively and just be able to to, to scatter right and, and get those runs when they need them. But the only thing that kind of gives me some hope, or maybe not the only thing, but one of the things that gives me hope for Alabama is. Wake Forest is the number one overall seed. They've they've had a great season. And if you look the last three tournaments, Tennessee was the number one overall seed. They lost in the Supers. Arkansas was the number one overall seed. They lost in the Supers. Then the year, the year before that, we had COVID. But before then, it was UCLA. They were number one dominant team. They lost in the Supers. And they all lost to older veteran teams who kind of figured it out late in the year. And that would describe Alabama. That, I mean, they play eight juniors and seniors and a freshman with 22 home runs. I mean, it's a very old, it's an older team. And, and their starting pitchers are, are veterans. So I, I do think there's an opportunity there. Alabama's going to go in there. They have not uh, they're not going to be wowed by, you know, a hostile environment. They played at LSU, they played at Arkansas, they went to Florida. They, they played at all these great teams in these great environments. So I don't think they're going to be scared going into Wake Forest, uh, but, but it is a very challenging. It's it's the most challenging, um, you know, team that anyone's going to face this week. This is probably a tough question to answer now, but of the eight Super Regionals, which one do you feel is the best matchup team against team? I'd say South Carolina and Florida. South Carolina, you know, they struggled down the stretch, but they played so well last week. They, they looked like the team that we all felt was one of the top teams in the country, uh, maybe mid-season. And they had some injuries and, and slump and just didn't play play that well down the stretch. Well, they're healthy now, at least uh, position-wise, and they look great. When they were healthy earlier in the year, they swept Florida. Now, Florida is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, so if you sweep Florida, you're really good. Now, this time, that series was in Columbia. So this one is in Gainesville. So Florida certainly a, uh, a handful down there uh, in Conger Ballpark. But I do think that that, to me, is, is the most 
um, even matchup of the group and probably two of the best teams that are remaining that are going to face each other. Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, joining us this morning. If you had to pick a favorite to win the whole thing, uh, the World Series, who would it be right now, today? Um, there's a favorite would be Wake Forest just because they pitched so well. And this is a year that has been so offensive. If you look at the home run numbers, you look at scoring numbers, and, and you know, other than Paul's schemes at LSU, it, 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 pitchers have struggled to get out except for Wake Forest. And, and it's been throughout their staff. So I think a lot of people pick them. Uh, a lot of people are going to pick Florida just because the, the talent on the mound. Uh, if they can get by South Carolina, it might actually be easier for them in the in the College World Series because uh, you know I really like where South Carolina is right now. Those to me would be the favorite along with LSU because of all the the, the elite talent. The concern I have with LSU is, is is pretty obvious. It's just pitching depth, and they were able to make it through a regional, only play three games, and that helps. So now the format kind of suits them better. Uh, they'll go to Super Regional, you're one of the best two out of three. Then you're going to go to Omaha. If you win, you stay in the winner's bracket, you're going to have days off. And that, and that eliminates the need for a lot of pitching depth. So I, I, do th- I do like LSU's chances. If I had to pick somebody to probably win the whole thing, I, I would, I'd probably still go Florida. How many SEC schools do you think will make it to the World Series? Now, obviously, the most can be four because in two of the mm-hmm. Super Regionals, they have SEC schools matched up against one another. Yeah, I, I would agree, yeah. I mean, the with South Carolina playing Florida and Kentucky playing LSU, you're guaranteed to get two, but you, you, you but two of those teams are obviously going to lose. And then you've got Alabama, you know, taking on Wake Forest, and you've got Tennessee and Southern Miss. I would think the the SEC team will win one of those other games. Uh, either Alabama will beat Wake Forest or Tennessee will beat Southern Miss. And, and, and you'll get three SEC teams in the College World Series. Mark, you feel kind of bad for Indiana State. They should be hosting, but instead mm-hmm. they have to go to TCU because the uh, area around Indiana State, Terry Hart, they're hosting some other events, and they're, they, they just can't host. And it doesn't make sense to me, but then again, I don't know all the information. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. You know, you have a great year, and you, you get to the point, and things fall right. You know, some teams lose. Uh, and, and then you would have a chance to host a super regional. I mean, they've never hosted a regional before, much less a super. But, you know, they've already set up to host the Special Olympics this week. They've done it for 20-something years in a row. It's kind of hard to say, no, um, we, we, we can't do one or the other, right? So there's just not enough staffing is, is the way they described it. And even if you move it somewhere out of the area, you still have to staff it somewhere with, with people who can – understand what's what's required so yeah it's challenging so they're going to go to tcu and that's tcu's a team that since uh since uh may started they've only lost two games I mean, they're playing as well as anybody in the country and they might be one of the favorites honestly you know to answer your question earlier uh because they're just so hot right now and you remember how how uh, old miss was last year you know a team just kind of figures it out late in the year they go on a run and and they're, they're not the best team over the course of the season, but they are at the end. Are you going to attend a reg, uh, Super Regional? 
Yeah, I'm headed to Hattiesburg. Uh, that's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, Super Regional with you know, the Southern Miss is hosting Tennessee. Really excited about that. I, I went to the Super Regional there last year when they hosted Ole Miss. Just an incredible venue. And now, you know, they're, they're veterans of this. Having done this twice in a row, I expect an even better atmosphere. That, you know, you gain some efficiencies and, you know, how, how to handle the, the huge events. Uh, the second time you do it, uh, I can't wait to see what the crowd's going to be like. It was incredible last year, and I'm sure uh, it'll be even better this year. Last year, Tennessee was the talk of college baseball. Their coach, controversial, home runs all over the place, and it's, the season fizzled when they got into postseason. Is this Tennessee team that you'll be seeing against Southern Miss as good as last year's? It's a different team. They lost so many of those, you know, those big alpha males off last year's club that, that, that caused so much, uh, we'll just call it disruption. Um, so this team has been having to deal with a lot of the, you know, the scrutiny caused by last year's team, and it's just a different cast of characters. And some of the pitchers are back, but really the offense is totally different. And the team hasn't been as good. They went through some midseason struggles. They really struggled on the road. And now, they, late in the year, they're playing their best ball, and that's what you want to do. I mean, that game that they beat Clemson in in the regional, the 14 inning, went back and forth. That, that was the best game in the postseason. And for them to, to, to slow down Clemson, who had won 17 games in a row, came in the hottest team in the country, that was a tough draw, but, but they were able to handle it and get the win. They have a lot of pitching depth. They have a lot of high-end velocity guys on the mound, um, and, and they hit home runs. So it's it's a very um, very talented team. Certainly not as good as last year's team, but they could go farther than last year's team. Ironically enough, uh, even after living in their shadow really all year, uh, they, they, it's not an easy venue to go to Southern Miss and win. But but I think most people are going to pick them to advance, and, and because of that. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be something the year after? You know, they had the greatest season in the regular season anyway in, in school history. Uh, that's not the year that goes. It's, it's the year after that goes and, and kind of um, finishes the job that last year's team could, couldn't get done. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for hopping aboard with us. Tell everybody how they can follow your coverage of all things college baseball. Yeah, D1 Baseball. Um, we are, we are the outlet for, this, for college, any, all your needs for college baseball. We'll have uh, analysis. We'll have features. We'll have uh, transfer portal updates, what teams are, what players are going to which team. Um, we'll, we'll have, you know, we have advanced statistics. We're going to do an off-season project on fixing the RPI, which a lot of people will be interested in. So it's so much going on. Uh, and follow us all the way through the College World Series and then through summer. Hey, man, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Absolutely. All right, so let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a break. We'll take a break here a couple minutes short. We're going to come back with some Chick-fil-A. And then um, there's a report out that seems to indicate that if the SEC were to go to nine games, we got the list of permanent opponents for all the teams. And is Alabama, does Alabama have the toughest slate? Well, if Based on the reaction, you would think, according to Nick Saban, they do. But we'll take a look at it, and you can tell us. Chick-fil-A next. Dan Jennings at 7 o'clock. Continue your comments in the app. 
Little traffic note for you, by the way. Overturned vehicle, I-10 eastbound between US-90 and Range Line Road, slowing things down. You might want to find an alternate route or prepare for those slowdowns. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, Lee, here we go. It's 6.49 on a Thursday, and get your weekend started with a little Chick-fil-A. One of the Miami Heat players, Unitas Haslam, who's still suiting up these days. He's about to turn 43 tomorrow. It's his birthday, by the way. Uh, got into the game in the last 30 seconds yesterday, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Even missed a shot, took a shot. He became the oldest player ever to appear in an NBA Finals game. Came in in the final minute as Denver beat Miami. The question today is, who had been? the oldest player prior to Haslam's appearance yesterday. Who was the oldest player ever to appear in an NBA Finals? If you know the answer, 694-1055. It's rare in in big playoff games, that get, but I always love when they get out of hand and they clear the benches because you're like, who? Now, you, well, you know Haslam, but you, you see these guys that you rarely, if ever, see, right? And um, you think, man, these guys must be terrible that they never get in. But I guarantee you, like, if we got out there and played them dudes, we wouldn't get a bucket. Like, those guys. Well, how about Reggie Jackson got in yesterday? He has hardly played at all. And he's been an NBA veteran for years and years. Um, He's been with a number of teams. And he got in there early yesterday. They didn't wait around to put him in, and he hadn't played that much. I don't know if he had a good game or not, but you know, certainly Denver had a good game. But And, again, we mentioned about that Christian Braun coming off the bench. But, yeah, every now and then, you like to clear the bench. You know, with the Knicks. It doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. And with the Knicks this year, I don't know if anybody followed their box scores or even cared, but Derrick Rose rode the bench most of the year. You remember Derrick Rose, yeah. right? One time, uh, number one draft pick and a great player for Memphis. And I know Knicks fans were hoping that he would get into a game late in the game so they could cheer him on, but pretty much just sat out most of the season on the bench. We have a winner on the Chick-fil-A question. That didn't take long. Nope. First guess. Got it right. Matt is our winner. Matt Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the answer. Would you have sec- Would you have accepted Lou Alcindor? Yes. Wow. Okay. Just checking. When I went and watched him play, I'm trying to remember. Was it Madison Square Garden? I think he was with UCLA at that time. He was at that time Lou Alcindor. Yes, he was. Did you see that he's the new spokesperson for AFib? I did not. I saw it during uh, the game. Was it last night or was it game two? Yeah, he says, if you feel any dysrhythmia in your heart, uh, go get it checked out immediately. He ignored it for a while. So here's your little PSA, courtesy of uh, Kareem. Kareem. For those who forget, he had been the all-time leading scorer until LeBron passed him by, but famous for the sky hook. The famous Skyhook. And Winning Time, Season 2, coming to a TV near you. Oh, don't forget it, Airplane. Yeah. (laughs) Was not a fan of Airplane. No, he's not. No, Nick is. I wasn't. Oh, uh, why? 
I just didn't think it was that funny. Do you know why I like it? <laughs> and and again, I don't think it was the greatest movie I ever saw, and I don't want to sit here and expound upon it. But but you will. My, but Mark knows this. When Kenny Stabler used to host that golf tournament down there at uh, Point Clear, uh, the Grand Hotel, he'd bring in celebrities from, well, all facets, uh, sports, uh, movies, sing, singing, musicals, things like that. And I went down there to broadcast a morning show, and Robert Hayes, who was the star of that airplane, was one of my guests. He sat in on it, and it was kind of fascinating. So for that, I liked the movie. That's okay. You want to get into uh, well, SEC? I haven't met the guy, so. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Man's 75 years old now. Who? Robert Hayes. He's still younger than me. Or Stabler. Are we talking about Stabler? What about Leslie Nielsen? Leslie Nielsen? That was the naked gun. Alive? He was in uh, Airplane. Yeah. He was. Is that who you thought Robert Hayes was? No. Oh. But I was just asking. First, I was going to ask how old is Leslie Nielsen. Then I caught myself and I was asking if he was still alive. No. Leslie Leslie Nielsen died in 2010. It looks like. Oh, yeah, that, was that a while ago. That brawl they had in in the uh, movie got to him finally. He was like 80. Doing the quick math, I think 84. He was a, a dramatic actor who was well big time, and then he morphed into comedy, and that's how we remember him. I mean, he used to have his own TV series. I forgot the name of it, The Naked Gun or something. Not, not The Naked Gun. It was a, it was a police uh, TV series. But like many actors, Robert Stack comes to mind too. <laughs> actors who moved in from the field of drama into comedy. All right. Do we? Are there? Are there? How many dramatic actors today? Make that move into to comedy. We try. We we see comedic actors take that dramatic turn more often than the other way around, right? It's easier to be dramatic than it is funny. Mark Wahlberg has done it. Yeah, he counts, right? As a from from drama, dramatic acting to comedy. Because he yeah. was in The Departed before he was in The Other Guys. Or <laughs> <laughs> daddy's home. I mean, there were movies I what saw about him. Brad Pitt. He was brutal as He's a. He's doing uh, some tough comedies guy. now. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, you always get like the Adam Sandler's trying to do the the comedy, the go from comedy to be like dramatic, and it's always like, oh, he's. It seems that like movie you get rain over me. With Adam Sandler. No. Oh, I think Don Cheadle was the other guy. <gasps> I do remember that one. And his like family died, and he was real sad. Why is it though that comedic actors get more praise for going dramatic than the other way around? Though, like there was all this talk about how he, how he, uh, like Adam Sandler was so dramatic, and I, I didn't think, um, what, what was it, um, Uncut Jim? Uncut Jim. I, I thought that was just. Well, if you took I just out didn't all think the, it was a good movie. If you took all the swear movie. words out of it. it he might have had some, but he got praised for that, and I didn't. I didn't like the movie myself. Someone said Sly Stallone. Um, don't. Yeah, he went serious in Rocky, and then he went goofy in. He was terrible in Oscar. That was a terrible. Oh, movie. that one with Robert De Niro, where they were old and fighting each other. Also, he did that movie with Dolly Parton. Rhinestone. Yes. Comedy. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Kindergarten cop. 
Yeah. But they just kind of made fun of him, though. Like, he wasn't See, that, funny. I think that's why they don't get as much credit, because when a dramatic actor goes funny, it's like they're just poking they're just poking fun at themselves. Yeah. And they're just reading the lines that the screenwriter wrote. It's not a tuba. I mean, that's not exactly right. like... But whenever you got, like, Adam Sandler, and you're like, all right, man, we really need you to cry in this scene and read these lines, it's a little bit more difficult of a task i guess maybe or maybe we perceive it to be that way well who's the other actor with um in the naked gun with leslie nielsen played the detective oj no 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 um (laughs) kennedy was in his last name the the uh, played the uh, detective he went from drama to comedy also Christopher Walken? No. Well, he too. Yes, he he's he'd be a good example. But he winds up just being like a like he's making fun of himself, right? Like where what makes him funny is the way he talks, and so you just change his dialogue, and he goes from serious actor to to funny. Hey, welcome to Bed Bath and Beyond. Well, and also Robert this De Niro. Remote, you know, it's going to send you speaking. back in time. De Niro, that's pretty good actually. But De Niro's a good one. I mean, De Niro moved. I mean, oh, to meet the parents. Yeah. Yeah, that was... And the upcoming movie that was shot here that I was in about my father. You were in? Did we Did we establish that you were in a movie? It was like the very, very beginning when I started working with you guys. I oh. was also uh, doing a little part-time job working on the set, uh, doing stand-in for the lead, uh, Joe Maniscuco or something like that. Are you the stuntman? Yeah, I was the stuntman in, the, in a movie that didn't have any stunts. Huh. So, like, whenever he was, like, driving a car, that was me. Whenever he was walking really far away and he, they, he didn't feel like coming out of his trailer, and they're like, I'll just throw that guy out there. That was me. What about Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting? Like, here's the guy that does nothing but make people laugh, and dude gets, like, all serious and emotional. Yeah. That was I mean, he won an Academy Award for it, right? Probably. Oh, you know what was a good Robin Williams movie? Jet. <laughs> um, he was like the... Oh, I remember Jack. What was he? He like aged four years every year of his life. Yeah, he, so when he was 10, he was 40 years old. Yeah. Which made for some awkward moments on the playground, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... We'll continue along that. We'll get to the, uh, the eight and nine game schedule and the permanent opponents. Got to keep it about sports. Dan Jennings, the Renaissance man. Eli Golan, hour number two as well. Got a lot going on. Hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP, WNSP.com. Opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Number two here in the studios of WNSP. It's the opening kickoff. Uh, Mark Lee and a Triple G, uh, and of course we got to get you some number, uh, some headlines here. And I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get Nick here a uh, 
a phone number. How about that? I give him a wrong number again. Uh, well, it, it's not that you didn't give him it, the right number. It's that you didn't give him a number at all. Oh, wonderful. Way to go, Lee. All yeah, right, Lee, way to go. Come on. Get your head in the game. All right? So in the headlines, we had Denver uh, beating Miami. A 109-94, to a historic game because in this game, Jokic and Jamal Murray, each each of them had triple doubles. First time a duo had triple doubles and each one over 30 points. An incredible night for those two in the victory, 109-94. to Miami, uh, we're going to talk later on about a lot of sports headlines coming out there. You got the Miami Heat, you got the Florida Panthers, you got the Marlins who are the hottest team in baseball these days. And now, Lionel Messi, arguably one of the greatest soccer players of all time, has announced that he is going to sign with the Miami soccer team in MLS. That being said, guy who knows Miami quite well when he was the GM and the manager of the Marlins, Dan Jennings on the line with us right now. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Pretty good. Well, we don't normally start out talking golf with you, but I can't help but ask you. I know you're a big golf fan. We've talked about it. Uh, PGA and the live, the controversy over the merger. You're a sports administrator at one time. What was your reaction to the PGA and live under one umbrella? Well, I tried to read everything I could to, to see how it's going to affect the, the actual sport of golf. And I, you know, you got, you're going to have a split camp. It reminds me a lot, Lee, when I was a kid and you had the uh, AFL and the NFL and there was this merger. And, you know, it was almost like, man, one side is this way, the other side is this way. I think in the end, it's going to end up being good for golf because I think it'll grow the game uh, globally, uh, certainly financially. I think there's no doubt about that. But you have some golfers who've taken a stance, drawn the line in the sand way back when some guys left the PGA to go to the LIV. And so because of that, I think you're going to have some uh, – it's going to be a little contentious out of the gate. But ultimately, I think the sport of golf will win, and uh, uh, financially the windfall of money is going uh, to be large. But, but Dan, those guys took those stances because the PGA told them to take that stance, and now the PGA is doing exactly what they told their guys not to do. Yeah, I, I read some of Monahan's comments and said, again, I, I know he's, you know, saying what he needs to say to uh, to kind of stay in the middle and non-committal, but I think that, uh, you know, based on stuff that you're reading, if you believe it, then he was going or making comments based upon the information that he had at the time. How much of that is true? How much of it is, you know, being somewhat of a chameleon uh, remains to be seen. But I do think that, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, the game of golf, maybe not right away, but over a five-year window, three- to five-year window, will grow uh, will grow immensely, and it'll help the sport. Out of curiosity, because I know you do watch golf, have you ever watched a live tournament? I have not. No, I'm. I've always been a proponent of the PGA because it was, you know, it was by the golfers for the golfers, and I just felt like, you know, like in MLB, and and I've heard uh, 
uh, Herm Edwards speak on it before to rookies in the NFL. That that symbol represents something. It means something. No one is bigger than that. And I've always looked at the MLB uh, uh, silhouette, the NFL, the PGA. You know, those that meant something. And I think that you know, to a lesser degree, it's going to water that down some. How about some of the golfers who are very upset about, well, a lot of them are upset about this, but some are upset looking down the road because if those on the Live Tour now can reapply to come into the PGA, that may cost them their card, and they they won't be an every weekend golfer because they'll be nosed out by the golfers coming back in. Yeah, I, I see their frustration, but I also have to say that if there was no live and those guys didn't jump ship and they'd have stayed in the PGA, that those guys that are complaining probably wouldn't have had a card anyway. Yeah, and, so, and oh, I'm sorry, Dan, go ahead. I didn't go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, so it, it watered it down a little bit. Um, so, you know, I understand because it's opportunity. You play your whole life to, to hopefully break in and get that chance. But to some degree, it watered down the level and the quality of the talent. And for those guys that are complaining about there might not be a spot for them, in the time that there was a spot for them, purses and prize money went up on the PGA as a result of the of the live being being formed, right? Because they were trying to play catch up there for so long. So they were there were some benefits to it all. They get overshadowed by the bigger headline type story out of it, but but for sure they got some benefits. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know what? If they're gonna get cut out, then like Michael Jordan's mom told him, play harder, work harder. <laughs> Listen to him quoting uh, Dan Jennings of the Washington Nationals. What do you think of this wildfire deal? Games getting postponed? Uh, is there anything in baseball memory or sports memory that you can think of that games were postponed because of air quality? You know what? When I saw that, my first thing was when the press box caught on fire there in uh, in Atlanta that time. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things. But, no, nothing like that. I know in the minor leagues um, a few years ago, two years ago, they had the same scenario out in uh, Sacramento and Reno. And each day, uh, I was actually in Reno, and they would determine, based upon the direction of the wind, who would host the game that night. And they were almost, they were wrong every day because the wind uh, inadvertently would change. And so you drive to Sacramento thinking that the air quality index was better only to have the wind change, and it was poor. So that's the only time I've ever been around something like that. Uh, that was two years ago up there. Did you have to wear a mask during the game? Well, yeah, that was, you know, the COVID stuff, so we were in mask anyway. Dan Jennings of the Washington Nationals, the team that you were once affiliated with as a manager and a GM right now is the hottest team in baseball. I don't I don't. I'm not going to come on and say I believe in karma and everything, but you saw what the Miami Heat did. You saw what the Florida Panthers are doing. Could this be the year of the Miami Marlins? They certainly have the pitching. Uh, you know that's that's a team that no one looks forward to going in there because any given night you you got some guys on the mound that uh, that, that not only can win, they can dominate, and they're that young pitching. 
Uh, it reminds me some of 03 when we won the World Series and we had uh, Josh Beckett and Brad Tenney and Dontrell Willis and all these young kids with great firepower. And, uh, man, they don't know what they don't know. They just get out there and they compete and their stuff is nasty. And it's, uh, you know, you try to put together an inning where you get two or three hits, you forget about it. It's, uh, it's not happening. What do you know about this? And I'm going to probably say his name wrong. Louis Arizia. He's flirting with 400. He's now batting 403. It's the uh, the last time anybody through 63 games went this far hitting 400 was Chipper Jones in 08. Can it be? Do you think he can do it? Can it can it be done? We haven't had one since uh, 1941. I think he could do it if somebody can. This guy, Araz, is he's one of these guys that he's not up there swinging for power. Uh, he takes his singles and doubles. He's tremendous hand-eye. But now in our game, you see so many of these guys with all-or-nothing swings, and that's not the case with him. He's you know he's he's real short to the ball, and uh, he his plate coverage, his ability, you know, to foul off and spoil real tough pitches, and uh, and barrel up the other is pretty impressive. And you know, can it be done with the way bullpens are today? And so many guys are running out there throwing, you know, upper 90s or low 100s. I don't know, but uh, man, it's fun to watch a guy go out there and have competitive at bats putting the ball in play and it brings back memories of of Gwen and Boggs and uh, you know the guys like that that were pure professional hitters and had that uh, had that gift so Dan Jennings is with us I'm curious over the years you've seen a lot of baseball what's the furthest you've ever seen a ball get hit and and it what's the benchmark to, what's the, what, at what point do people say man like that's a really that's a monster hit like how far is there is there a certain benchmark you have to reach? You know, I, in the in the stadiums now, I think if you get in the upper level, you know, if you get something that goes in that second level, upper level, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's where you know you ooh and ah. Uh, for me personally, uh, having signed Josh Hamilton, I've seen this guy hit some balls that. I guarantee you they had to be 500 feet if they went a foot. Uh, I think back to that home run derby that he was in at Yankee Stadium, and you know, he hit balls that hit the facade out in the outfield. And uh, I just, I personally have never seen a guy have that kind of power over and over and over. Uh, when I first started, Jose Canseco's brother, Ozzy, hit a home run in Chattanooga. Uh, in the old ballpark there that, uh, man, it, it was another, it had to be 500 feet if it went a foot. And you just marvel at guys who have that kind of bat speed, the ability to center that ball on the barrel and uh, and leverage it at the point of contact. I just, I laugh, uh, all these, all this description about, so Dela Cruz, right, last night, he hit one 458 feet. Uh, and it left his bat at 114.8 miles an hour or whatever it was. And I, I feel like I feel like the guy in Major League when he's like, no, nah, no, nah, too high, too high. And he's like, what do you mean too high? Too high, too, too far. And, and they go back and forth, and he goes, who gives a bleep? It's gone. 
There you go. That that truly is the only thing that matters is it goes uh, it goes a half a foot over that wall. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's just where we are right now in, in sports. But, you know, everything wants to be measured, the launch angle, the distance, the velocity off the bat. And, you know, I, I look at the guy arrives hitting 403, and I think yesterday I read somewhere where his exit velocity is like 92 or 93 miles an hour. So somewhere in there, there's room for both. It just determine who you are, what kind of player you are, and there, there's room for both there. Danny, final question I have for you. With baseball instituting all these new rules, okay, shifts, bases, whatever, are they concerned about the number of pitchers that are going on the DL? They're dropping like flies. Jacob Bagram, who signed that outrageous contract, is the latest. Uh, is there concern over this? Uh, there is concern, Lee, and I, you know what, I, I strictly point this to this showcase baseball that these kids are getting involved in at such an early age, and everything is predicated on how hard can you throw, you know? Just front side, pull down as hard as you can and throw as hard as you can and put numbers on the radar gun, therefore you get recognized. And then they carry this into uh, professional ball, and guys, they, they don't learn how to pitch. They don't learn how to change speeds. They, they truly don't learn the importance of fastball location, which is by far number one, the most important thing in pitching in the big leagues. So, uh, man, when you look at how many of these guys now are going on the DL and uh, arm injuries, and it's to do with that, you know, they're trying to create this high spin rate, and they invert their arm in spots that wasn't meant to happen, and the results are, uh, are injuries. Daniel Sun, we appreciate it, sir. We'll be in touch. Have a great weekend. Okay, guys, y'all too. Thanks for having me. Dan Jennings. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather next. The opening kickoff continues. Eli Goal at 730. Uh and we'll talk to Orlando Azagari in hour number three. We'll also talk to you, 694-1055. Best comedic actors who went dramatic and vice versa. Best dramatic actors that took a turn in comedy and it went well. I think Robin Williams in the clubhouse for comedy gone drama. And I'd put Leslie Nielsen drama to comedy. Yeah, you see, the problem with that is most people don't even remember Leslie Nielsen as a dramatic actor. Yeah, it's true. You're true. That's and very true. And Zion, he's had himself a week or nine months, as it turns out. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST 105.5. I, there, there still has to be consequences to actions. You know, the people that left the PGA Tour irreparably harmed this tour, started litigation against it. Like, we can't just welcome them back in. Like, that's not going to happen. And I think that was the one thing that Jay was trying to get across yesterday. Is like, guys, we're not just going to... What's a tour? A tour. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. I mean, who are we to judge anybody for pronouncing anything on this show, least, right? Least of all me. Uh, so we got a lot going on. Uh, Zion in the news. Uh, there's a local, thanks to our, uh, Kelly Finley in our news, I found out that we have uh, an operation here locally. Police are, are trying to 
crackdown on those that are stealing catalytic converters. They've called the operation Operation Cat Snatch. Uh, I, I mean, I'm all in on it. Cat I just snatch fever. Yeah, is that what it is? Just yeah. they had me at snatch. So, and I, I've never heard yeah, catalytic and Zion both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if they were naming a Zion investigation or what. There, Lee. Uh oh, we're also asking you for the best comedic actors turn dr- dramatic and dr- dramatic actors turn uh, comedic. Uh, but uh, what about a Jamie Fox? Ooh, that's a good one. That's real good. Well, and to that point, like Eddie Murphy um, did a lot of comedy, but then he did um, Life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was a dra- dr- dramatic yeah, it role. It was at the end. Um,. No, what was the one where he uh about the temptations or whatever that he did? Temptations. He, uh not the temptations, the um I don't think Eddie Murphy's ever been in a serious movie. No, he did. Um You know who we're leaving out? Uh, no, that's why I'm asking. Tom Hanks. Yeah, somebody mentioned Hanks. Tom one. Hanks started out in comedy like this very yeah. first movie or one of them, what Bachelor Party or whatever it was. Such a great movie. It was. Bachelor Party. And then Obviously, a lot of dramatic roles, and he seems to be able to go either way, too, yeah. comedy or drama. What about Jim Carrey? He was in, in Living Color with Jamie Foxx. Hmm. He was in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. What has happened to him? I don't hear much about him anymore. I think he retired, actually. I think he uh, after he did his magnum opus, Sonic 2, I think he said he was going to hang it up. Uh, Tight said Will Slapper Smith did some. <laughs> he went dramatic. <laughs> Slapper. Yeah, start out funny with Fresh Prince. Uh, then you go to Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, that's another movie they always played at school. We were talking about movies the other day that they always played at school. Hairspray, Blindside, Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Pursuit of Happiness. There was nothing happy about that movie, man. That was just downright depressing. I got to show you this really old YouTube video I made back in the day. Um, uh, maybe I'll show it during the break. Okay. I'll run right over. It has to do with that movie. Eli Gold uh, is scheduled to join us next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Appreciate you joining us here on the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Uh, we'll talk to Orlando Alzagari in hour number three, and we'll take your calls here in just a little bit. Got the voice of uh, Alabama football, our good friend Eli Gold, uh, joining us right now. Eli, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you this morning? I am doing well, gentlemen. How are you today? Wonderful. I, I'm glad you got in touch with me. Obviously, what's going on up there in the Northeast, which is really uh, – curtailed sports or any activities for that matter with the uh, residue from the wildfires touched a nerve with you it really did you know it was, um, it, it's very sad obviously this is a it's a very very you know major problem but uh, it reminded me of something i was involved in a, a number of years ago when nascar was going to run their first ever night race 
at Daytona International Speedway. It was a July event, and uh, it was going to be the first time they'd ever run the Pepsi Firecracker 400 under the lights, and it was a big, big to-do. Well, that coincided with some terrible forest fires in the state of Florida. So we get down to Daytona. We all flew down to Daytona on our regularly scheduled uh, commercial flights, and then the terrible smoke began to set in. And the um, long story short is we never could run the race that weekend. We would, I was doing TV at the time for TNN, and we, would, we went out on the back straightaway with a camera crew, and you could not see from the middle of the back straightaway down towards turn three. You couldn't see it. You didn't see where the wall was. You couldn't see anything. It was like it was thick pea soup. And uh, they had to cancel the event uh, or postpone it for that weekend and uh, run it again later in the season. So uh, this is not without precedent, but you certainly hate to see it because it, uh, it messes up everybody's schedule. Uh, if you look at it strictly from a sports standpoint, and it also obviously is a uh, terrible health situation for people with asthma and, and even those without uh, just having to deal with the uh, terrible particles that are floating around in the air. Talking with Eli Gold, getting ready, uh, gearing up to return to Alabama football this fall. You got me to thinking now, um, in my own experience, obviously with all the years that I broadcast, I had games where the press box window fogged up. You couldn't see anything. Did you, uh, can you recall games where for one reason or not, and you already mentioned the, the wildfire there, but I mean, we were in the press box and you had trouble seeing the field because of whatever? Mm. Yeah, there, there were a couple of nights doing Barron's baseball years ago. And to say that I remember the exact details, well, I'd be lying on that. But I do remember there were times when I couldn't see the field. I remember a couple of years ago, I got a, a text in the, uh, uh, you know, I was going to say a text in the mail, but that was wrong. I got a text from um, the guys at CVS, Brad Nessler. He and, uh, he and uh, the crew were doing the Army-Navy game, and it was such terrible fog in Philadelphia where the game was being played that year that they showed me, somebody took a picture over Nestler's shoulder. He was Brad standing, looking down onto the field. The picture was taken over Nestler's shoulder, and you couldn't see what was going on on the field. So, you know, fog has, has played a part. Uh, it, it did for me with a Barron's game or two. But, you know, this is what it is. You, you play an outdoor sport, and, uh, you know, you got to deal with what Mother Nature conjures up for you. All the games you broadcast, whether it be football, baseball, whatever, where's the worst press box you ever had to do a game from? Smith Snyder Stadium in <laughs> Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, it was back in my infancy. I had just moved to Birmingham, and I was filling in 
for somebody. I forget all. It was me and Tandy Geralds. Tandy was my color man. And we were doing a high school game from Smith's Snyder Stadium. And we worked in the stands. There was no press box in those days. We had papers on our laps. We had equipment sitting next to us and on the, uh, and on the floor. It was just uh, a mess. So that was, that was far and away uh, the worst. As far as a professional press box is concerned, geez, I've never really thought about it. But, uh, but yeah, as, as far as an overall, you, you'll never find one worse than, than the old Smith-Snyder Stadium. All right. Uh, you mentioned NASCAR, and there's probably a bunch of people out there listening who may be young and don't remember when you did NASCAR. Did you get the same adrenaline flow doing Alabama when you were doing Alabama football and will continue to do Alabama football when doing NASCAR? Was it – you kind of got the oh, same. Yeah, it, was, it was very, very much a big adrenaline flow, but it was different. It was different. When I was doing a NASCAR race, I didn't care who won, okay? You know, I could have been talking about Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt or, or Dave Marcus going to victory lane. It didn't matter to me. I didn't care. I mean, I wanted everybody to be having a safe race. But I was broadcasting for the fans of all 40 drivers, okay? So it was that approach. Now, when I'm doing a Bama game, obviously I want Alabama to win. I care about Alabama. I go to practice with Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I care about it. So my approach is different. And, you know, my, my caring level is different. I want the Tide to win. There's no question about it. Uh, but when I walked into, you know, Talladega or North Wilkesboro or Daytona or Pocono, it didn't matter to me who won. I really didn't give a rip. I, I wanted to see a good race because I was a racing fan, uh, but I really didn't care who won. Obviously, you know, we've asked you a lot about Alabama personalities, Nick Saban, but what about NASCAR? Was there any that really stood out, somebody that you really enjoyed talking to or it just, you know, somebody that you'll never forget? There were a lot of them. There were. I, I enjoyed Terry Labonte. Um, the problem with Terry is that when you were on the air with him, it was like pulling teeth to get a good answer. When you weren't on the air he gave you these magnificent responses but he just wasn't as comfortable being on the air as other drivers were uh there was one driver who was really good in being on the air and you could always go to him for a uh, a, a good answer but uh, at the same time i questioned uh, his believability at times uh but yeah there were some great personalities but uh you know it's everybody's different in their own particular way remembering that either the last week or two weeks ago update your medical uh, situation because you said that uh, you were going in and, and hoping for yes, it. Yes, and I thank God got a clean bill of health. I went in last Friday, uh, a week from tomorrow, 
and uh, got a uh, a PET scan. And a PET scan is a, due to the lack of a better term, it's a it's a scan that lets the doctor see inside of you. It's a little different than an X-ray. Uh, it lets some lets the uh, the bad stuff shine, and they inject you with a uh, with some kind of a, a dye. And then anything of any bad nature stands out. Long story short, no cancer. I was free and clear of cancer, and uh, now it's just a matter of getting stronger and uh, being ready for the start of the season. That's excellent news, Eli. Congratulations. We're it was. Very Thank cool. you. I was, I'll tell you, I don't mind telling you, we were bags of nerves, all of us, my wife, my daughter. We were just all... You know, we were a bag of nerves waiting for the word, and and the doctor walked in, and it was a female, and she said, well, you're free and clear. There's no cancer to be found anywhere. Uh, now I do have to go back to see her in three months, and I'll go back for another PET scan in six months just to make sure everything is still kosher. But, uh, yeah, it was a... A huge, huge relief, guys. It really was. Talk about a health championship. Congratulations, Eli. We're very happy for Thank you. Thank you. Know it, was, it, was, uh, it was something I, uh, you know, you hope for, but you just never know. want to let you know our machines here from Dex Imaging, the new ones are holding up very well. Well, if you're waiting for them to break down, they're not going to. But if they do, for some reason, have a, a little burp to them, just pick up the phone, call Bobby or any of your people there in, in Mobile. They'll come right over that day, fix it, be done with it, and life goes on. That's what I love about Dex. They're a full-service customer. Uh, they're a full-service company, I should say. They will sell it to you. They will service it for you. They will keep it in great supply as far as inking. That's what I love, too. I'll be not thinking about it, and I'll, you know, life goes on, and then all of a sudden the, the doorbell rings, and it's the guy from UPS or, or FedEx, and they're delivering another package of uh, toner, which is the, the company word for ink. And uh, they always keep good tabs on your needs so you're ready to go and take care of business when you need to. Folks, no one is better. Trust me, I've dealt with them for years. So has the university. So does WNSP. So does so many other businesses in the Mobile area. Dex imaging dex dex imaging online at deximaging.com eli have a great weekend sir we appreciate the time and let's do it again next week you got it fellas take care that's eli gold the voice of the crimson tide great news there on uh, eli's health we come back we'll see if we can catch up with rick true we're open for a couple segments we'll get you caught up on all the news and notes of the day zion in the news uh, for those that don't think he was working out and has missed time off the NBA uh, floor, uh, you would be mistaken. Uh, in fact, he was incredibly busy. In fact, there might not be a better uh, or more talented NBA player that can that, that can deal with a double team for as long as he has dealt with one. Man is versatile. We'll get to that. We're talking about the best dramatic actors turned comedic and vice versa. 
And which ones do you want to see take that turn that haven't? Like somebody in the app was talking about Denzel waiting to see a, just a flat-out comedy run. Hadn't seen it. And so much more. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Speaks for itself, bro. Um, how many, like I said, how many times does he have to do that for, you know, you guys to believe in his game or our game or whatever? Like he's he's doing it so, making it look so easy. You know, on good shooting, low turnovers, um, two block shots. Um, Got great hands. 748, wrapping up hour number two here on a busy Thursday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. Our team of the day is Bachelor Service. The man of the day then is Rick True, who uh, runs uh, Bachelor Service. Rick, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Nope. Apparently, uh, we just lost him and we are re efforting. Well, let's get him back on. Uh, Rick. I will tell you this about Bachelor Service. They they touch all the boxes. They've got plumbing service. This is this is in addition to their $79 special, which has been going on and on and on. And you've heard us talk about every Thursday when we're uh, lucky enough to get Rick on and, and talk about Bachelor Service. He's back with us. Rick, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. You were going to come on with the big news about the charity event that uh, was coming from uh, Bachelor Service as to which charity – turned out to be number one uh number one was child advocacy center number two was penelope house and number three was uh wilmer hall child advocacy will receive a fifteen hundred dollar check from bachelor service penelope house a thousand and wilmer hall 500 so everybody wins we had over 1300 people vote congratulations and i'm sure it was a big success uh before we get to bachelor service one of the questions that was being well thrown around when we were at the spring meetings with Ole Miss which of the three quarterbacks is going to be starting uh, I mean I have no idea I would get uh, I, I heard coming out of spring Jackson Dart was had looked the best in all the practices uh, so but that doesn't mean anything they got fall camp to go so I guess him or Sanders Sanders started four years at Oklahoma State, so he's proven commodity. And uh, I think that, from what I understand, Jackson Dart improved quite a bit from uh, last year to this year. But we'll see. I think they're going to be pretty good, though. They wow. got that. They did a good job in the portal again. Rick True uh, joining us from Bachelor Service, checking the boxes. Why should people uh, sign up with Bachelor Service? Well, our. Uh, uh, energy savings agreements are terrific uh, value, uh, and what you get for it is you get two uh, two, uh, two nut precision two nuts a year uh, cleaning both your air conditioner and your furnace, um, and it, uh, we also get 15% discount on any repairs and priority service. And priority service is real important this time of year for sure. How can our listeners reach you, Rick, or anybody on your staff? They can call us at 251-476-4321, or they can go online at uh, com, and there's uh, places in there where they can sign up uh, for a call. 
Many thanks for joining us, and many, many thanks for being our team of the day. Thanks, Rick. We'll be in touch. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Good. Mark, we've been teasing about this SEC proposed schedule. When they do go to nine, if in fact they do in 2024, uh, Saturday down south, and in particular, Matt Hayes, through, even though there was no official release, but he got through conversation through athletic directors and coaches, and I guess this, I'm not saying this is official, but we talked about three permanent opponents if you go to nine, and he's got the list out there, and it's probably pretty close to being accurate. Okay. Ready for it? Uh, yeah, ready as I'm going to be. Well, for Alabama, and we talked about, a lot of these we've already talked about, for Alabama, it would be Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. And, and therein was one of the uh, stumbling blocks because Nick Saban wasn't too happy about that. I don't know if his his voice influenced the uh, – I don't think it was just him. There were other schools that did not want to go to nine games. For Auburn, again, we were right on uh, with all the talk we did, Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt. But uh, according to the story, and again, these, schedule, these teams change from year to year. You don't know in particular. Well, you know Georgia and Alabama are going to be right up there and probably LSU. But uh, the, the source here says that the toughest schedule, whether you agree or not, is Florida. Georgia, Oklahoma, South Carolina. Um... I'm not buying into that one because I'm not sure where Oklahoma is coming from. South Carolina is good, but are they really that good? Obviously, Georgia is very good. All right, so who's who would you say is a better team right now, Auburn or South Carolina? Wow. Right now, today, today, South Carolina. Yeah. So you may – I think you could make the argument that Florida's – Permanent schedule might be tougher because Georgia's going to be better than I would give Georgia the the slight favorite, slight nod over over LSU, and I would give Tennessee probably a nod over Oklahoma. So it really comes down to that Auburn USC, right? Well, if if I'm comparing, are you comparing Auburn's schedule with uh, Florida? No, I'm I'm comparing Alabama's schedule. Oh, with Alabama. Okay, all right. So you you figure you give the slight nod to Georgia over LSU. Yes. You probably give the slight nod to ten, or maybe even a bigger nod to Tennessee over Oklahoma, based on absolutely. So now it comes down to that USC or that South Carolina Auburn game. I think they're comparable. I think the only difference is you don't see Florida moaning and complaining about who their who their opponents are reason i'd give the nod to south carolina they have the experienced quarterback in spencer rattler plus they came on strong last year so based on momentum and having rattler there and if if in fact he's going to have a a a better year than any right now auburn quarterback i'd give that the nod now i think which goes to our point about this whole conversation though which is why it's so silly, is you don't know what's going to happen in a couple years. I feel like Auburn will ultimately be better than South Carolina, give Hugh Freeze a couple years, so then Alabama would have uh, a, a stronger permanent schedule. But that's kind of the whole point of why this is so silly, that people are, are trying to um, manipulate this schedule because it's going it, to— the reasons for having the schedule the way you want it today— 
will be moot in three or four or five years, right? And so how would we feel, and this is something this is something we haven't really discussed. How would we feel as fans if every five years or seven years or whatever it is, the Southeastern Conference changes the permanent opponents? What if you reevaluate after? I, w- I wouldn't have a problem with that. No, I, 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 I you know, change is good. Um, I, one of the other. Uh, uh, issues was would Texas and Texas A&M be on the same schedule, and it is according to this that Texas A&M, one of their permanent opponents, if they ever get to nine games, and it's not going to happen uh, in in 2024, it'd be after that if if they're going to do it. Uh, Texas would be on their schedule with LSU and Mississippi State. Say that again. I heard it for um, Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas would be a permanent yeah. opponent. Right. Along with Mississippi State and LSU. What I find interesting is that Mississippi State was an opponent that we kicked around as possibly Alabama or Auburn. That's not going to be the case. Are you, do you get the sense based on those that everybody got pretty tough, at least two tough opponents and maybe one that isn't so tough? Now, opinions vary on how difficult that third opponent is. I think the SEC, and again, you know, where this is coming from, I'm not sure. It was just based on hearsay with athletic directors and coaches. The SEC was very conscientious about making sure rivalries stayed within, if you know what I mean. They wanted to keep rivalries. They wanted Texas, Texas A&M. You look at Oklahoma, uh, Texas, they wanted to keep that rivalry. I don't know how Florida wound up with Oklahoma and, and Missouri. Well, Missouri, yes, Oklahoma and Missouri going back to their days in a previous conference. But Florida wound up on Oklahoma's uh, schedule. As we told you, Florida would have Oklahoma as one of their permanent opponents. But, again, this is not this is not etched in stone yet. I mean, this, this is what came out. But uh, it has not really been released by the SEC because they're staying with the eight-game schedule. But uh, Texas, that's, that's the, the keynote, was keeping rivalries going like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and so forth. So I don't know who actually works on these schedules. Seems to me it's okay. I don't have a problem with it. Again, as you pointed out, you don't know what's going to happen in, by the time this becomes reality. I mean, some of these teams may be a lot weaker. Maybe they'll be better. Who knows? LSU's schedule, Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. I, I, if I'm an LSU fan, I wouldn't f- complain about that at all. I, you know, I know Alabama coach Nick Saban had talked about not having, a, you know, LSU on the schedule. But from LSU's standpoint, you know, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, you've got to put a team in there that's like Alabama, I think. So who's got the easiest? I'm going to have to take a look at this and say <laughs> the easiest. Uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt right now. As so things stand right now. Would you guys rather like like Auburn's got two really, really tough yeah. opponents, but a, a very easy one? Or would you rather three kind of mid-level that are going to be competitive? Or would you like two where you're going to be heavy dogs and one where you're just going to be a two-touchdown favorite? This way, you're looking at one and two for Auburn with this schedule for the most part, right? I mean, unless uh, Alabama or Auburn has a – or Georgia has an off year. But I look at Arkansas right now with their schedule – 
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. We're back for more here on the opening kickoff. Hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, you can give us a call, 694-1055. We have a couple of open segments here. Orlando Alzagari set to join us at 8. Yeah, as, 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 because I was bumped was I, in the middle of my phrase there as we were getting close to the time, and I didn't hear the music that well. Uh, Mark was asking me which of these schools, and obviously you can't tell right now, has the easiest uh, three opponents, if they ever permanent opponents, if they ever go to the nine-game schedule, which they don't right now. We're not trying to suggest, but we have found out who the opponents would be, and I mentioned maybe Arkansas. Missouri is, you know, so-so. Texas, they're getting better. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, not a rising power by any means, but obviously, you know, they're all, most of these teams you don't know from year to year, are they going to have a great year? Are they going to go up to 10 wins? Are they going to fall down to five wins or something like that? So I looked at Arkansas, Mark. Uh, Oklahoma, as we said, Florida, Missouri, Texas, and then Texas coming in would draw Arkansas, which, yeah, that's a rivalry uh, from way back in the southwest. Oklahoma, obviously, with the uh, game they have in the state of uh, Texas at the uh, in Dallas, and then with Texas also, Texas A&M. They're the ones that really wound up with all, basically three rivalry games. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily see... Anywhere, I'm like, oh, they're just going to run through all yeah, three. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think on I, – I guess my question – I do think that Alabama and Florida, I think you can talk about being the toughest from top to bottom. There's no question Auburn has the two toughest opponents, but they also get that really – they get that cupcake. Uh, Not according to their head coach, <laughs> Clark Lee. <laughs> and listening to him talk, I'm telling you, he, he sees it a lot differently. But, again, you didn't hear him. Right, so. but but of course he's going to say that. But if you asked every coach, if you put a gun to every SEC coach's head and said, hey, you can only you, – you get the first pick in the – in the SEC opponent draft, who's your first pick? They're all saying Vanderbilt, every single one of them. Now, whether that, whether or not that's just based on, you know, the last 80 decades or whatever, or what this team's bringing back is irrelevant. But the point is, there's the Vanderbilt is is considered the weakest weakest of all of all teams. Let me say this, and, and again, this is a little bit speculation. This has not been released by the SEC, but if in fact, Mark, this is accurate. I think they did a pretty good job. I All right, really so do. Who, someone's at, who's Georgia's third team? Georgia has Auburn, Florida, and then Kentucky. So I, I really think they've done a really good job in maintaining rivalry games, uh, even going far back to previous conferences like the Southwest. 
And again, because you don't know. And in fact, we don't even know if they'll go to nine games in two years. I, after what happened this past uh, month, I'm not sure about anything. Now, I'll say this, though. If, if Alabama, if Nick Saban is going to complain about something, he, he should make a point. Why is it that Georgia has an easier schedule? If that indeed is the, the, uh, the teams, why they have an easier schedule than Alabama does coming off two national championships. All right, but in, let's say this comes to pass in two years, and you look at Georgia's schedule, Auburn, Florida, which are rivalry games, okay, and Kentucky. But down the road, with Hugh Freeze getting his program going, Auburn may be the best team in there that they face. Florida, we don't know what's going to happen with them. They're right now, they, right now, to me, Florida's ground zero. We don't know where they're going, okay? Uh, everything's up in the air with them. Kentucky... Yeah, I don't. I, I, I would. I'm not even sure they're going to be as good as Auburn. So obviously, if you're comparing Alabama to Georgia, yes. Alabama's got the the harder the harder, harder schedule, schedule right no now. No question. So my question would be, if I if I'm Nick Saban, my question is why? Why why does why does Alabama? And why should Nick Saban be have any say in it anyway? Why should any coach have a say? Well, they're going to stump the don't know Because you don't even know half these coaches won't even be around by the time this thing gets going. That That's my whole point. That was my whole point about the nine-game schedule. ADs, some may be gone. Presidents may be gone. Coaches, I mean, 14 teams by the time this, if it does take effect in two or three years, I'm saying three, four, five coaches won't even be there. I might argue that. LSU might even have a tougher schedule than Georgia. Alabama. Alabama, Ole Miss, and A&M versus Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. Right now, you're right. See, maybe the narrative— If they were playing this year. If they were playing this year. The SEC narrative shouldn't be that— you know, know, or that Nick Saban's got these tough games. Maybe it's that Georgia is getting a little bit of a pass here. Now, I know—I understand a little bit of that is— because of who your rivals are, but still, maybe that third team should be a little bit tougher than Kentucky. Maybe you go with somebody like a um, Tennessee, like a Tennessee, or I would even argue maybe a a, a Texas A and M. I can see one point. If if you're going to get, let's say you want to take Tennessee, you don't want to take Alabama off Tennessee's schedule. That there's too much built into that. Vanderbilt, I, you know. They they say this is a rivalry, but is it really? No, it's a right. It, if so you're going to have Tennessee Vanderbilt, you should have Alabama Mississippi State. Right, and so I would say you could remove South Carolina and nobody would blink. Yeah, and then you could put change it around like that. I mean, I, let me, I'll say I wouldn't want to put that schedule together. Ne- and, and again, it's I. just a small piece because it's just it's just three of your games. We're we're putting to be. Perfectly honest with you guys, we are putting way too much into this because we sit here and talk about Georgia having Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky every year. That's not to say that they won't have Alabama. You know, they're going to play Alabama at some point. They're going to play Texas A&M, or they're going to play, you know, LSU at some point. The whole concept of this uh, nine-game schedule is that you have the three permanents and that you will rotate and you'll face every other team at least once every two years. Am I correct on that, Mark? Uh, every two years? Yeah, something like that. So. Yeah, you would because uh, you'd have six, six, 
So there'd be 12 games there, yeah, that you'd, you'd face uh, every other team at least once every two years. That's the whole purpose of this. Right now, so we don't confuse anybody, it's still an eight-game schedule coming up this year. Nothing's going to change, and nothing's going to change in the year 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma. Now, aren't we getting close to... When the SEC Network releases the schedule for 2024, the eight-game schedule? Yeah, I don't even what remember. What is it? The 14th, I think, Is that right? coming up? Yeah, I next week. I think so, week. June 14th. And we'll get to have this talk all over again. Can't wait. You are, I know you You love you some schedule I love schedule. Talk. I really do. I Because there's no certainty of it. You don't know how these teams are going to look down the road. We, I, I mentioned Rick True was on. I mentioned Ole Miss. Does any team in the SEC have more depth of quarterback than Ole Miss. They already had Dart coming back, and they have two transfers. Now, are those transfers going to stick around when they're sitting on the bench? Probably move around. With the transfer portal, there's just no way to see how a team – now, I, I would be safe in saying Alabama and Georgia will be on top in two or three years. I'd be safe in saying that as long as Saban and Smart are still there because they recruit so well. Other than that, maybe LSU – I like what Kelly's doing down there, especially the first year he had. But other than that, what what can what do we really know? Auburn is question mark question mark with so many transfers. Uh, who's the team this year coming up, Mark? That is going to be the the surprise team in the league. I don't know. I, I mean, who's going to be the surprise team? The one team that and it happens every year where a team you don't expect will it finally be Texas A and M. I don't know if I don't know if they could ever be a surprise team after they well after fallen. their disastrous right. year last year. Um, I, I think it'll be more of a well, it's about time kind of thing. I what I think a, a, a team that has I, I think a team like Auburn could potentially be your surprise team if if they get the steady uh, quarterback play. If uh, you know it takes it takes other teams a minute to catch on to what Hugh Freeze is doing offensively. I I think now. Do I think they're competing for a conference championship or even division title? No, but like LSU is not going to be that surprise team, right? Because they're, they're, I think there's some people thinking they're going to make a run at a national championship here. Alabama certainly not going to be that team. Ole Miss and Mississippi State just aren't in a position to be that team. I, why not? Why not Auburn as a, as a potential surprise? Team? I'm not ready to uh, join you in that. I, there's just too many newcomers into that program. I don't know how soon they can gel, you know, how long they, how long it'll take to put an offensive line. And again, until I see what they have a quarterback, okay? I know we spent a lot of time talking about the transfer from Michigan State. Is he really that good? We don't know. Remember Spencer Rattler, how long it took him to get acclimated at South Carolina? He came in from Oklahoma, did not have the Heisman Trophy year that many pegged him to be, came to South Carolina, got off to a slow start, did come on strong at the end, so therefore there's momentum and there's hope for South Carolina. That's a team to watch for. Uh, all right, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. Uh, thanks to uh, Kelly Finley, I am now more uh, – informed of what our local law enforcement is doing well that's why she does what she does they raided three locations seizing all these stolen catalytic converters apparently there's an operation called operation cat snatch fever i want to be the guy no i don't have to be the guy i just want to be in the conversations uh with we need to get a somebody on from mpd 
right, to talk about who comes up with the operation names. Because I want to be in that conversation. All right, one thing at I a time. I want to be in that production meeting. One thing at a time. You will, first of all, you want to rename the PGA. We got We can't have too many things to rename in one day. I'm just saying, if you're going to merge the PGA and the Live, you need you want a new let you want it, a new it, title. And you had to have something that wasn't PGA or Live. What, what would it? Oh, be? don't forget what the European Golf Tour too. What's the what about it? What does Live stand for? <laughs> Why do you ask no. these tough questions this early in the morning? Chick Fil A question. Hmm. I don't know. Does I stand for Invitational? Roman numerals for 50, 54, because I guess that's. No, I. I don't think that's what. Well, what you I have mean. a computer there. Look it up. I'm not on a computer. I'm looking at Mark on his computer. Mark's yeah, not that that's good at googling. I'm you got all that technical out. equipment that's in the, there. Uh, it's amazing what I Google in a show. <laughs> we went from what is it, it was live to uh, actors who turned from dramatic roles to comedic roles and vice versa. I know you think you'd we, become more efficient at it. We do we, we, we this whole Zion thing. By the way, you probably don't want to to Google Zion's uh, uh, at work today. Zion is. Fighting off a double team right now. Um, or he's welcoming a double team. Live Golf is a professional golf tour. The name Live refers to the Roman numeral oh, 54. The snap. score, if every hole on a par 72 course were birdied and the number of holes to be played at Live events. Well, who, who mentioned 54? Me. And that's how many holes they play. They're, they only go three days. Right. They play in shorts. It's almost like a country club <laughs> atmosphere. And what does PGA stand for? Professional Golf Association. Ooh. All right, so maybe you just change it to uh, the WGA. No, that's Women's World Golf Association. But see, that's the Riders Guild Association is the WGA, and they're on strike right now. Yeah, they need to get their stuff together, man. Come on, yeah, I need some better TV shows than FUBAR. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Which one is it? That's a new, That's Arnold, that new Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger show. Is that on Netflix? Speaking yes. of, uh, well, I don't know if he was ever dramatic, but he, uh, Arnold going comedic. You, you have yeah. HBO, right? I got an endorsement. I don't have it, but my brother told me that the uh, the one with Woody Harrelson, the plumbers, White House plumbers. Have you seen that? I've seen uh, ads for he, it. Yeah. He suggests you watch it. I'm pretty sure Lee plays word association games all three hours. Is any word that po we t we say po it, it it's something like sparks a yeah uh, it does. You're right. You just you just go. I you go. Just go. I go. 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 Insane brain <laughs> <laughs> with himself. <laughs> What, what do you think of when I say Zion? Williamson. Williamson. Yeah, no, I'm it. giving you another name. Williamson. Oh, Williamson. Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne. Piper. I, I, when I said Zion, I was, I was what shocked. What were you thinking of? What were you thinking? I thought you were going to say load management again, which, which brings I already, a, I already which used has that. a whole other meaning here in yes, the last 24 yeah. hours. I was staying clear of it. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back with an open segment. You guys can jump in. We've, we've been talking about a, a number of different topics today. Um, mostly renaming. But if you want to get it on the FCC schedules, again, you can. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Zion. Operation Cat Snatch. I'm not sure. A actually, it's Cat's Cat Snatch Fever. 
And I know what you're thinking. Are we talking about Zion or are we talking about something local here? We can explain all of it coming up next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. Segment brought to you by South Alabama Athletics, reminding you they're back in Hancock-Whitney September 9th, and uh, tickets are on sale. And since we're on the Jags, congratulations to Kyle Rademeyer, claim the 2023 NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championship on the first night of competition there in Austin, Texas, as he cleared his only attempt at 5.70 meters to win the event. What you got for us? Can you do that? Can you reach heights better than that? Uh, No. How about that? Brutal honesty for you. Hey, Orlando Azaghari is going to join us. We'll talk some Miami sports. There's a lot to get to coming up here at 8.30. But we'll talk to you if you want to jump in. Uh, give us a call. Uh, all right. So for those of you that are just joining us, Zion's had, uh, Williamson has had a, um, an interesting 24 hours here. Um, so he... First of all, maybe a, a, an interesting week. He's had uh, he's going to be a father. There was a whole gender reveal done on um, on social media that has gone awry, and we'll get to it here in a second. But I said you guys need to give us a call, and you guys have answered that call. So here you go, six nine four one zero five five. Welcome to the show. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, fellas, I, I'm going to give a vote old school here. Uh, Andy Griffith, uh, he actually did some very good dramatic roles. And uh, first guy that I ever got to see in person, I saw him in summer stock, Charlotte, North Carolina, back in 64. And, uh, of course, you know, you can still catch him on Andy Griffith's show. And uh, I, I've been thinking, Mark, you ever watch that? Nah, I mean, when it's on, I usually flip. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, it's got a moral in there every week, but it finally hit me uh, a couple of years ago. You know what, why the show's so good? And think about it. The entire cast, nobody's married. Aunt B's single, Andy's single, Barney's single, Goober's single. Opie's single. Floyd the Barber, Howard Sprague. The only person, Lee, the only person you can relate to this, the only person who's married in the show is Otis, and he's drunk all the time. What are you trying to what, what, Is there a message there? Drunk with love, Chuck. Uh, hey, hey. So, what are you, you trying know, to say? I mean, are you coming down on marriages today? No, 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 no. Hey, marriage is the only war where you go to bed with the enemy, right? So, anyway, uh, y'all have a great day, fellas. Huh. Never really thought of it that way. That on the t shirt. Yeah. Let's get some bumper stickers made up. Well, there was a movie called Sleeping with the Enemy, but. I don't think they had that in mind. No, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, like, wasn't that the Julia Roberts one where it was either her or I thought there was one with Jennifer Lopez, too. That was enough where uh, she was being battered and bruised. Right. And she just beats the hell out of him at the end. It was 
pretty good, actually. Not to be confused with Mother, where she just goes out and defends her kid and beats the hell out of everybody in that one. You see that one? I did. I did, too. <laughs> she, did you see uh, my new lunchbox? Yeah, I got one, too. I saw it. <laughs> you want to? You didn't want to tangle with her in that one. Uh, Sleeping with the Enemy, 1991, Julia Roberts. Lee, are, were you an Andy Griffith fan back in the day when they were coming I enjoyed online? the show. I'm, I'm with Mark now. If it came on, I probably wouldn't watch it. I, I'd actually enjoyed Matlock a little bit more because I like uh, lawyer-type uh, movies. But I, I, used to, uh, I used to watch it. It was okay. Uh, out of the pairing, I, I lean more Don Knotts, I think. Me too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's one of the reasons I watched it. When he left or it got... It, I, I didn't care for it after some of the uh, key actor actors left this show. You guys are so much, so alike. And then when I hear Chuck <laughs> Oliver's show, where they always play the uh, whistling theme, it, kind of, it brings back memories. But to be honest with you, I'll say this. That Opie went on to some career in Hollywood, didn't he? So yep. When I hear that song, all I think of is Chuck Oliver. So do I. Well, and me too. Oh, <laughs> uh, stop being a follower. All right. We'll see if we can catch up with the big O next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back in the opening kickoff just cruising along here on a Thursday edition We appreciate you making us part of your morning. All right. We got uh, Murray there uh, Triple-double to go with Jokic triple-double and We go down to Miami now where there's certainly no shortage of sports stories I mean they've really cornered the market on big-time stories So we bring in my good friend uh, Orlando Alzagari the host of the big O radio show. Good morning big O. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. I know we're all so pumped that Inter-Miami made the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup, which I'm sure that's exactly what we're going to talk about is all U.S. Open Cup for this entire segment. So, yeah, we are so jacked about the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that was on my mind. I, I actually was going to bring that up, but not because they won, but because of <laughs> the report that Lionel Messi is coming to Miami and and I and I brought this up earlier. Obviously in the United States, I, I I don't and of course you had the biggest story years ago when LeBron had the TV show to come down to Miami. Is there any comparison or link to the fact that Messi, who could have had millions and millions to stay in Europe, is coming to uh, Miami, Florida? He's getting the same millions that he was going to get there. It's no, none of that changes. He gets a cut out of a, a, Adidas. He gets a cut out of MLS Apple. Um, you know, Miami yesterday uh, had a million followers on Twitter. Now I think it's like up to two point something million. Uh, their Instagram picked up, uh, I don't know, like three million followers. This is a guy that has like, I don't know, 468 million followers on Instagram. So this is uh, this is a completely 
another level. Uh, this dwarfs anything that's ever happened in this country, period, when it comes to sports athletes. Uh, this guy's bigger than every American athlete put together. Not even close. Remember, we're 330 million people in this country. The world has 8 billion people, and the world follows soccer. They don't follow, you know, basketball and football and baseball like we do. You know what I mean? It's a whole different ballgame. This is at a completely different level. The, the only thing that I can uh, uh, equate this to, the difference is that media and the sport and everything else has advanced a lot more. But it's when Pele, Pele came, to, came to America to play in the NASL. And that was, you know, obviously the same thing. It was kind of the second coming. The Messiah was coming of soccer. And this guy's right up there with Maradona and Pelé as one of the greatest uh, of all time. And so that's really what it, it, it equates to. It equates to you are getting one of the biggest athletes in the history of all of sports coming to play here. So he's not only going to lift up into Miami, he's going to lift up the sport of soccer here in this country. And that's, you know, this is just another step forward for the MLS that's made a lot of progress in, you know, 20-something years that they've been around. They've got 30 teams, and if you look at their attendance, they average per game a little bit more than uh, the NHL and the NBA. So they've made some progress, and, and getting messy will bring the world's eyes to them here, and then others will want to join. And we'll see if this league now starts to take that next step forward where, because now you beat Barcelona and one of the Arab countries uh, for his rights. So the, the, the question is, what are you going to do now? Are you going to now start bringing other big-time names here? So it'll be very interesting for those of us, at least, that, that enjoy watching soccer. Is this equivalent to when Beckham came from England to join MLS? Even bigger, even bigger. Uh, this guy is bigger than Beckham. You know, Beckham was a heck of a player. We're talking about, you know, it's Beckham is Chris Paul, and and you know, um, Messi is Michael Jordan. So you know, Chris Paul has been a great player on his own right, but he's not Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen was a great player in his own right. He's not Michael Jordan, and I think that that's what this is. The Beckham thing was big at that moment for the league. But you only had like, uh, I think it was like 14 teams at that time. Now you're up to 29. You're about to add your 30th team. Uh, I believe that's the number right now. So it's just a, a different level now, guys, with Apple involved, with uh, ESPN, with everything that they've got going on. Now they've got a lot more momentum. And obviously, I don't know if uh, some of you may know this, but uh, of the 20 most valuable football clubs in the world, the MLS has, I believe it's team number 15, 16, and 17 in its place. So they've got three teams that are some of the more expensive teams in the world already in the top 20. So they've made progress uh, overall, and this is a just another step at, at going at another level for this league. We'll see what happens over the next couple of years. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun down here, and the tickets are going to be incredibly expensive. Yeah, I saw where they went, what, for cheap seats, $29 to 500 for his opener, maybe, in July? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and people will be coming all, you know, it's kind of like Vegas now, that when you put a pro team in Vegas, 
all of us, whatever you are, you're a Giants or a Packers or a Dolphins fan or whatever it is or a Saints fan, you're going to want to fly over to Vegas for a weekend to go check out you know, your favorite football team playing or hockey team or, or baseball's coming, and I'm sure NBA. And, and so that's the same thing. We're a destination town. So people are going to be flying from all over the world to come see Messi play. Uh, again, 468 million followers on Instagram. That's just ridiculous. He has the most followers on Instagram than anybody else in the world. That's so, just nuts. So worldwide, this is bigger than when LeBron had that TV show. But here in the United States, I don't know if it's quite comparable when LeBron announced he was going to Miami. It, it's The LeBron thing was big for us, okay? Messi is big for the entire world. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in some corner of Ethiopia or Argentina or London or Sacramento. Everybody is talking messy because you're talking about a guy that, you know, just goes to just a completely different level. So, yeah, this is much bigger. We have to take it out of our lens. In our lens, messy and soccer don't mean anything that much to us because, you know, international soccer is still growing in this country and soccer as it is. For all of us, like myself, you know, obviously football, NFL football is my number one sport. It's my favorite sport. But I do follow soccer, and I do like it. But it's not at that point in this country. And so that's why when we look at it, we don't think it's as big because we don't have the interest in soccer like the rest of the world does. So the rest of the world is incredibly interested in this move, a lot more than most of us in this country, which is kind of crazy. All right, your take on the Heat. There you got the uh, NBA Finals in Miami with a game coming Friday, but yesterday it was Denver. How do you see this playing out? Uh, Lee, they, they, they got outplayed yesterday. Uh, let's, let's not kid ourselves. The Nuggets are the better team. The Heat are the gritty team. The Heat is the, is the team you're going to use as an example if you're a junior varsity coach, a varsity coach, a college coach, a pro coach, minor league coach, you're going to show them what team game is all about. And that's what's gotten them to this point. And if you look at Jimmy Butler, he's not himself. He's certainly he's injured. He, he's not going to the hole. Uh, he's not attacking the baskets. When he does go into the paint, he's looking to pass, not really score. So something's wrong with him. He may need an operation after, but he hasn't been himself for about five, six games. Uh, you can look at his numbers and, and, and the points and all of that, and he's just not efficient. And this is a team that they have to be perfect in order to beat Denver. And if they're not perfect and they're not shooting well from three-point range and from outside, they're not going to win this game. They don't have the size. And they don't. They can't compete with the two stars. Miami only has one star. His name is Jimmy Butler, and right now he is obviously injured. And then they have no other stars. The rest are role players. No matter what anybody tells you about Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo is a fantastic all-around player, but he's not a star. He cannot carry your offense. The offense doesn't run through him. He is a facilitator, a guy that can complement your offense. When the offense is going well, he'll be doing well, but he's not a star, and that's the difference there. They have two stars, Jokic and Murray. The two stars showed up yesterday, and Miami did not have a counterpunch. 
if they don't play impeccable basketball and shoot really, really well, they will have no shot at winning this series. So that's just the way it is. They've gotten away with it because Boston's kind of soft. The Knicks are, you know, they're nothing. They were just happy to be there. And then, obviously, Milwaukee with the injury early on to Giannis, that kind of opened the door for Miami to take advantage of it. They have done a masterful job because Eric Spolster is the best coach in the league, and he makes things better than what they really are. But, you know, yesterday, the better team won, period. End of story. I love the Heat, but they're not even – they're not – anywhere near this Denver Nuggets team. They have severely overachieved to get to this point because they've got the best coach in the NBA. That's why he got them to the, in the bubble, to, to the finals four years ago, uh, five, six years ago. He got a bunch of scrubberinis to go 31-10 and 10 in the second half of the season and almost make the playoffs. And he beat the Warriors, who were like incredibly hot at that moment, and the best team in the league. Eric Spolstra is just... It's not It's not even up for discussion in my eyes. He is by far, but he's also David Copperfield. He makes things look better than what they really are. And this Heat team is not that good. And yesterday, Denver, you know, did what they were supposed to do. So we'll see if the Heat can, can find the magic again and play that, that uh, you know, that uh, impeccable team ball so they can stay in this thing. Well, Pat Riley had the reputation of being able to lure big-time free agents down to Miami. What do they do during the offseason to compliment Butler? Well, I've uh, been you know, kind of picking on Riley for that, that he has uh, failed in four years to get that star next to Butler. Uh, I, what I would do is I would try to look to trade Kyle, um, Kyle, um, what's it called, uh, Kyle Lowry at one point because that's a $30 million salary. But I think you're going to be able to trade Tyler Hero and Duncan. Duncan has really raised his value here in this uh, in these playoffs. He's shooting really, really well. So I think you're going to have an opportunity to move Duncan and Hero and possibly for and maybe a first-rounder or two to a Portland for a Dave Lillard, something along those lines. And then during the regular season, uh, when you get to the trade deadline next year, you might have an opportunity to move Lowry if you can find a disgruntled star somewhere. Big O, always good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Tell folks how they can get the latest and greatest of all things in Miami. Well, we are live on Big O Radio Show on YouTube every single day, usually at 10 a.m., but, you know, the last couple days I've been going to Dolphins camp. So we're on in the afternoon today at 3 o'clock from a casino. What a rough life I live. And so we'll have some fun. So follow us on, uh, on YouTube at Big O Radio Show and subscribe to our platform. On You can get the podcast. It's podcasted every single day on all platforms. Big O Radio Show, fellas. Hey, Home man. of men. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Uh, thanks for everything again. All right, one final segment of the day. We'll come back closing up shop right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. All right, 
48 and uh, one final segment. Thanks uh, for you guys for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Tomorrow on the show, Paul Feinbaum, uh, among our guests, and uh, Jake Crane. So in the app, uh, Nick, how about this? We were talking earlier about, and this continues to pop up, comedic actors turn dramatic and dramatic actors turn comedic. And got Robin. someone said Robin Williams, I think, hands down for me, is the number one comedic actor turned dramatic. Because not only Goodwill Hunting, but um, uh, Dead, Dead Poet, Poet Society. Yeah. Right? So... Another good one, Kathy Bates. She went dramatic and has gone comedic. Yeah. Yeah, because she was in that horrible Netflix show, Disjointed. I remember that. Oh, is that a play on... Um, like owned like a smoke shop or something like that. I don't know. But I feel like horrible. the name of that movie could have been... this. They could have used that for Misery back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. No, but uh, yeah, Bobby Boucher's mom... Yeah, classic. What about <laughs> classic? Uh, what about uh, Jonah Hill? He's an Oscar-nominated actor, but in the m- movies he gets nominated for an Oscar, he plays like a funny guy in a dramatic movie, like a Wolf of Wall Street. But he's never been like really dramatic, though, right? What about been Moneyball. I kind of thought he was comic relief there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's not a good one. Yeah. What about Robert Downey Jr.? Nah, he's always been comedy. I mean, he's done some drama, but yeah. It w- like what? What is like? Are, like, do they have to go from? Like, does it have to be from comedy to drama, or can it? But I think most people just refer. I mean, when you think Robert Downey Jr., you don't. I mean, how many dramatic roles? Is he remembered for? He got nominated for Chaplin, but he was playing the life of a famous Co- comedian. Com- <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, even as he, growing up and going like in the eighties, it was all comedy with Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Jordan says, "What dreams may come with Robin Williams?" One of his best movies ever. That I was seen that one. Uh, th- I saw that one. That one, that one, that one pulls at the heartstrings a little bit for sure. Ooh, he was in a movie with Robert De Niro. I don't remember what it was. Awakenings. Yeah, that was an awesome movie. Robert Downey and U.S. Marshals. Yeah, I remember he was in that one. He was he uh he got cuffed and then uh. Like I, I guess when we're thinking about actors who are synonymous for successfully going from comedy to drama, yeah. that when you think of them, they're kind of both. Yeah. Um, yeah, Robin Williams is definitely that guy. Jamie Foxx is definitely that guy. Will Smith. Will Smith is definitely uh, um, that guy. You need to have probably more than one. Like I said, Eddie Murphy because of Dreamgirls, but he's still cons- – like that's just one role, right? What about a Jennifer Lawrence? They're really uh, broadcasting her new R-rated comedy yeah. during the NBA Finals. Here's the thing, though. It's just that one comedic role, though, right? Although, uh, what was it? Silver Lining? Uh, that was a serious movie, though. Yeah. There but was funny parts in it. Yeah. What about Bradley Cooper? He was in Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you wanted to say Wet Hot American Summer. That could have been the name of the operation here locally in Mobile. 
Oh yeah, that cat that uh catalytic converter cat oper- fever. Yeah, w- cat snatch fever. What? First off, I'm sure. Shout out to Kelly Finley, by the way, in our news for bringing that to my attention. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure some people in the app and people listening could help me out. I don't even know what a catalytic converter is. I got to be honest, I don't really either. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if this is a sports show, not, not we'd have to get Tommy Prater. I'm sure he'd know. Yeah. Um, well. Oh, we got a call. Maybe this guy knows. All right. Yeah, you take that call. So for those that don't know, there's a local operation where they're trying to crack down on this because. Catalytic converters are, are very profitable, right? So guys are going around jacking them. So police are cracking down. And I want to know who comes up with the names of the operations for local law enforcement. I want to be in the room when they have those conversations. So the operation's name is Operation Cat Snatch Fever. Brilliant. And how much? You said there was like 400 and. $50,000 worth of catalytic converters stolen or something like that? Maybe uh, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah. Where is the catalytic converter and how do I remove it? And asking we won't think, friend. yeah, yeah, asking for a friend and the fact that you know it, we're not in cahoots with the, uh, with the law enforcement. I'm just going to assume you're a mechanic. Yeah, let's just go with that. <laughs> and I mean, it must be pretty easy to get. If, if you can do it so quickly, what they need to do is they need to set up like a Chris Hansen to catch a predator and say, hey, man, we got some nice catalytic, <laughs> catalytic converters over here. And, uh, you know, you set the bait. Apparently they're rich in precious metals such as platinum and vibranium. rhodium. And vi- oh, it's the same thing. And vibranium. <laughs> Plutonium. <laughs> So, yeah, who can help us out with uh, where they're located? And hypothetically, rhetorically speaking, how does one remove a catalytic converter without being noticed? And what does the catalytic converter do? Like, by the name, I'm assuming it converts catalytics. But what the heck is that? Um, So, it's the part of your car's exhaust system that converts, converts, there you go, harmful engine exhaust pollutants into something less harmful so basically you need a bunch of those up north right now yeah um maybe that's what they're doing maybe they're doing like a robin hood type thing they're taking the catalytic converters from here where we don't really need them and they're sending them up there and making you know cool uh mad max masks out of them for the (laughs) residents of new york it's found underneath your car attached to the exhaust pipe with bolts so guys like you and me we'd just be going around late at night just pulling the whole undercarriage off a car (laughs) like i don't know just grab the whole thing and let's go (laughs) Uh, if my Uh, catalytic converter was stolen i wouldn't even know it yeah who's to say it's even there now that's right Who's to say someone's not at this moment taking it M- out? Maybe that's why Lee left early. He's he's deprived our cars <laughs> of their catalytic converters. Wouldn't it be what what if Operation Catch Snatch I can't even say it. Cat Snatch what, what's fever. the last fever. The fever. What if they found Lee's Prius and opened the trunk and found nothing but catalytic <laughs> converters? <laughs> he was swapping them out for Chick-fil-A gift cards. Yeah, that whole jury duty thing was all just a ruse. Yeah. So, cat snatch fever, can we somehow link that to the Zion story? In many ways, you could. Um, I'll let you do it, though. <laughs> I don't know if we have time to do it now. 
Uh, for those that didn't hear, Zion is expect he's going to be a, a dad. So, yay, congratulations. So he did this old gender reveal thing on social media, right? The problem is a uh, adult entertainer then went just nuts on social media, yep. specifically Twitter. In fact, it was determined that she sent 24 different tweets just off the rails and uh, this isn't just a um, like a one night stand type thing. Yeah. Apparently there was many <laughs> meetings, encounters, encounters, and they had an arranged thing where Zion was going to put her on the payroll and move her to New Orleans. And apparently, just last week, <laughs> he was spitting in her mouth <laughs> per her words. Yeah. And now she's upset, and now she's saying that she's late and that she might be pregnant two and that uh, they're going to be sister wives and that she's Zion's real princess and that she was the reason that Zion was in shape. But in the yeah. <laughs> insert joke there. I mean we've inserted well alright. But in those 24 tweets she ran the whole range of emotions like she went after Zion she went after the woman she's talking about how you know, you, you need to get pregnant to go get that bag. And, you know, I'm the real princess. And now all of a sudden they're sister wives. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. she's, she's, she's just going through the whole range there. All right. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. Or for, uh, for Lena, of course, for Nick Behind the Glass. I'm Mark. That does it. We'll be back tomorrow for a Friday edition at 6 a.m. Until 6. See ya.